Well, I think it's extremely important. I mean, for the first time, the criminal justice system is going to be able to recognise that harm uh, in domestic relationships can be caused by long-running uh, harmful, abusive patterns of behaviour, not simply rest on uh, the old, outdated concepts of domestic violence as the thing which um, the courts need to intervene. That was Nathan Fox, and this is the Bailiwick News Pod. Around 1 in 15 crimes reported to the police in Jersey is linked to domestic abuse, and while the law already covers some of the behaviours associated with abuse in the home, such as assault and criminal damage, it doesn't recognise the long-standing coercion, control and other patterns that may form domestic abuse. That's all set to change this week when the states debate a specific domestic abuse law. But how difficult will it be to take action against acts that are so often taking place behind closed doors or between those whose lives are tightly interwoven? Bailiwick's Julian Morell met senior policy officer Nathan Fox, who's led a team drafting the new law to find out how it might prevent and police domestic abuse in Jersey. I think the issue with domestic abuse um, specifically is that the criminal justice system can't really act on things that it's not given an understanding of. So at the moment, um, you have legislation that protects people from various harms, including physical harm, uh, to an extent psychological harm. Uh, But when you come to a relationship that's abusive... Very often you'll have a situation where you might have someone in court for um, an assault on a partner in a domestic premises uh, in, in year one, and then you, know, you might see them again in year two for a very similar offence. And the justice system can understand that and deal with it. It's an assault. And it's, it's taken through in the normal way. And judges do aggravate or increase the severity of sentences when the context is, uh, is one of domestic abuse. But we haven't really given the system, if you like, the the legal structure, the ability to understand and see the harms that are caused to individuals by long-running, often low-level, continual abusive activity outside of these sort of peaks of assault or when things really get out of control. Um, So the law is intended to allow the justice system to effectively recognise and act on patterns of behaviour within relationships. Well, you may have an individual who's uh, not assaulted, not physically attacked, but they are um, constrained from seeing their friends, for instance. They don't have access to joint funds or their own funds. They're not allowed to socialise. They're not allowed to go online. They're not allowed to reveal certain facts about the relationship to another person. Perhaps they're consistently threatened. Uh, and there may be, there may be other, other aspects. There may be, there may be sexual assault. There may be violence. But it is to allow the justice system to act on those long-running abusive relationships and treat the culminative harm caused to the individuals as a real thing that the justice system can understand rather than just dealing with the symptoms uh, of, of, of an, a sort of an abusive relationship resulting in violence. Is, is this a recognition that domestic abuse is a particular problem in Jersey? Uh, Domestic abuse is one of those offences on which I don't believe any jurisdiction can realistically say that it has uh, all the information. So where you have, for instance, um, very serious crimes like murder, uh, kidnapping, 
you almost always have them reported. You almost always know about them. Uh, sexual offences and domestic abuse are, we suspect, um, underreported in, in the vast majority of jurisdictions. So in Jersey, we understand from the police that approximately 15% of all, uh, all crimes reported to the police are associated to, in, to some degree with domestic abuse. Not necessarily they are domestic abuse, mm-hmm. but there is some association with that or it's in the context of a domestic premises. So I think it's fair to say that Jersey isn't special by not having a domestic abuse problem because I believe it's highly likely that almost all jurisdictions do. And do other jurisdictions have specific domestic abuse laws? Are we ahead of the curve here or are we, are we um, following on from perhaps the UK and other jurisdictions? There is a patchwork, I think, across jurisdictions. It really depends on the extent to which they... Uh, it, de- it, de- it depends to the extent to which it is in the public view. It's in public thought. And also where you have um, jurisdictions with legislative frameworks that don't deal with it well, then they'll have bespoke legislation. But you could, in theory, have a jurisdiction where there's no domestic abuse law, but that sort of behaviour is handled by their wider framework. So England and Wales has had an offensive course of controlling behaviour for some time. But most recently, they've introduced a specific domestic abuse a piece of domestic abuse legislation to um, to improve it. We are one of the few jurisdictions that will have a domestic abuse offence. That is to say that we have a crime called domestic abuse. Uh, and that's not merely semantics, because it does offer, in our opinion, uh, and, and Minister's opinion, it offers a clearer way to address and deal with the the issue as a distinct thing, rather than to rather than to sort of treat it as, as, a, as a subset of other, of other offences. You've touched on the definition of domestic abuse, but perhaps I, we could perhaps clarify that. Um, does it have to be a physical act, um, or, or is it? Does it cover a, a range of behaviours? It, it does cover a range of behaviours. So the concept of domestic abuse being effectively one partner punching another is sort of the domestic violence concept that most jurisdictions are, are moving away from. And as I say, that's to recognise the tremendous harm that can be caused by by non-physical behaviour that um, continues over a period of time. So the offence specifically um, is where two people, uh, age 16 or over, are personally connected. Uh, and 16 or over is to avoid, um, act, to avoid double treating offences against children, which were already dealt with in other legislation specifically. It's come in, come in recently and, 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 and we've had for some time. Um, so two individuals aged 16 or over who are personally connected. Now that means they can be in a relationship, ex-partners, co-parents of a child or even relatives. Um, one thing that I don't think other jurisdictions do to any great extent that we are is to include carers. So this, um, this contains a, a, an abuse of a person who you are caring for, a concept as, as domestic abuse. Uh, the behaviour has to be likely to cause harm, that's physical or psychological and we can't the cumulative acts, which is really the core concept, I think, that distinguishes this domestic abuse offence from, from what's currently on the books. So that is to say, if an individual suffers maltreatment that causes them harm, that is below the threshold for existing criminal offences, but is a persistent pattern of behaviour going on for some time, if that causes sufficient harm or is likely to, then that can constitute a domestic abuse offence. Is there a concern that... Um, because it's cum- cumulative, 
um, if we use a comparison of a, an assault charge, it was an incident, it happened, it may have been captured on CCTV, there may be injuries. This sounds as though the bar might be even higher and perhaps even more difficult to perhaps, if it goes to trial, convince a jury that they are sure that domestic abuse um, uh, took place. Are you, does this law set a, an impossible task? I don't think the task's impossible because if you have a well-documented pattern of behaviour, then you can, you can discover that through evidence gathering. There's always a question um, when you come to offences behind closed doors of how exactly you establish it. Sexual offences are another. Typically they're in private. Typically they're merely between two people. There won't be witnesses. There might be scant physical evidence. Time might have passed. Um, there, uh, there are crimes which simple realities of the world make harder to prosecute than others. And I think it's fair to say that domestic abuse might be one of them. But we do provide in, in other legislation and in the way that victims are generally treated uh, with all the support we can to try and put people in a comfortable enough place to give the necessary evidence. And also, of course, there are the usual evidence-gathering powers the police have, uh, which they use for sexual offences and all offences, to, to look at, look at behaviour, to take witness statements, even to examine physical evidence, and try and, and try and establish um, whether or not there is there is something there is an offence committed, whether or not it can be prosecuted. Just explain, Nathan, how we got to this point. Presumably, there was a, a degree of consultation. You said that in having a domestic abuse law as as a as a particular charge is, is quite rare. How how did we get to this point? Well, the minister, um, the, uh, the former former minister Len Norman and, and now Gregory Gita, the current minister, were both very keen on dealing with the uh, absence in our legislation of something to deal with um, domestic abuse. We had uh, when we began prior to the UK's domestic abuse uh, act, we had the coercive and controlling framework in the UK, um, which we which we felt would be something that um, could be uh, could be brought in and we've done that in, in a way, we've brought that into the wider framework of domestic abuse that we've created but really I think everybody felt, I think the, the, the politicians felt and officers felt that it was a piece of legislation whose time had come because in a jurisdiction without um, infinite resources you have to choose what you do next and there was a clear wish on the part of ministers that this this particular harm be addressed, which is you know which is why it's gone it's gone through the political term and been brought forward now. And in terms of consultation, have you spoken to perhaps representatives of victims or victims themselves uh, on how this law might be brought in, how it might be interpreted? We've um, uh, we conducted a public consultation opportunity for anyone who wanted to make contributions. We've talked to representatives of, of victim services um, at the police and, and other entities who who help and assist victims. It is difficult in uh, in a jurist in a small jurisdiction to uh, find and discuss issues of domestic abuse with individuals. Um, in the absence of what you might call a sort of well-established ethical framework. Mm. Uh, so we have offered victims the opportunity to contribute. We haven't uh, found and effectively cold-called victim 
no, to, to try and establish their position on the legislation. But uh, because I think there would be ethical issues with doing that. But this is in line with international best practice. Um, it is probably going further, I think, than, than many jurisdictions have, and we have offered anyone, including victims, the opportunity to comment on the legislation. So I think, I think we've, we've done what we can. Hmm. Yeah, just, just one question that springs to mind. All, all relationships go through ups and downs. Um, could a, a one-off, one-off flare-up, perhaps, um, find someone in court facing a, a, a domestic abuse charge? Well, domestic abuse relies on a pattern of behaviour, so that's unlikely. Um, and also with all legislation, there are, if you like, humans in the loop throughout. So you'd have to pass a significant number of thresholds um, sufficient, to be, uh, sufficient to be arrested, sufficient to be charged, sufficient for the charge to come all the way through to a court case and sufficient to be prosecuted. So, I mean, any legislation... Legislation is a blunt instrument. It's a simple fact. The criminal justice system isn't something that understands nuance particularly well. And that's why you have humans involved at every level to try and provide that understanding. Um, I don't believe that the law is structured in such a way that it will cause overcriminalization of the simple ups and downs of a normal relationship to the extent that to the extent that any legislation can see that by relying on a pattern of behaviour, by relying on the need for there to be harm, by having a, having a defence of, um, of reasonable activity in the circumstances. Mm-hmm. I think that we've, we've got the safeguards that legislation needs to try and ensure that we avoid that outcome. Let's turn to the legislation itself. Could you just um, explain perhaps some of the key tenets of the, of the legislation? What is actually going to be introduced? Well, the domestic abuse offence is... is is structured to to capture this um, to capture this uh, pattern of behaviour, this, this long running harm, um, and that's the, that's the, one of the core features uh, is is the presence of that currently absent uh, offence to mm. give to give a base for the criminal justice system to act. Separately from that, you have um, the capacity for court to issue a domestic abuse protection order, which effectively means that where somebody is established to have committed domestic abuse, there um, actions in relation to the victim can be limited. Now, that might mean that they're not allowed to uh, come within a certain distance of the victim or they're not allowed to be in the victim's place of work or they're not allowed to attend the place where the victim lives or places the victim might regularly frequent. Um, and that's based on uh, the likelihood of further victimisation or um, harm to the victim. So that's a very victim-centric piece that gives the court the power to go to go beyond the simple uh, crudity, well, and it is crude, of a fine or more likely imprisonment, uh, and actually structure something to, to provide some ongoing victim protection, um, which is something that the most justice systems uh, most justice systems uh, lack in many ways. And, and does, can that be brought in preemptively in order to uh, to to, to to, to ward off a potential domestic abuse conviction? No, the, the orders rest on there having been a conviction for, for domestic abuse, um, as, do, as do the notification requirements. Uh, the notification requirements and the legislation are effectively patterned on, if not identical to, the um, notification requirements in the sex offenders law. And that, in the sex offenders law, underpins the sex offenders register. 
it effectively says if you if you fall into this category of person who's committed this sort of offence, the court can require you to provide your details and to, to give police information about your status and movements, um, which allows uh, the police to either respond to requests for information if somebody's concerned they're entering into a relationship with an individual who uh, may be a domestic abuser, they can check. It also allows the police to proactively contact individuals who um, might be putting themselves, especially vulnerable individuals who might be putting themselves in a dangerous situation, and make known to them certain facts about the, the, the individual who they may be entering into a relationship with, um, which is, again, it's a victim. It's a, it's a new victim, if you like. It's a potential victim-focused measure. So would it be fair to say, just in common parlance, to say that this law creates a domestic abusers register in the same way there's a sex offenders register? In the same way there's a sex offenders register, and of course those words don't appear in the law, um, yes, uh, that's correct. I wouldn't say it's necessarily quite the same. We will have to see, for instance, how the court applies the restrictions. We'll have to see how uh, what the court tends to do about duration um, and uh, what it tends to do about notification requirements. We don't know that yet. It's very much a matter for the court to do with the individual circumstances. That's the humans in the loop again. Uh, but yeah, in general terms, it does provide a similar basis. Um, I, you've, I know that, that you said there have been a consultation onto this uh, on this legislation. Um, I know recently scrutiny have published some concerns. Um, one of them being concerned about the um, about using the um, the orders or use yes using the the domestic abuse protection orders pre conviction. Um, is is that something that the 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 the, the government is addressing or or is the the law as it is, um, you know, the, the best way forward. Well, that was a that was a consideration. It was it was uh, proposed as something to as something to consider, um, and it appeared uh, provisions to that effect appeared in the consultation draft of the legislation. But um, the structure the structure would would be that you have a domestic abuse prevention protection notice that could be applied by the police, and then that goes to court, and it can be turned into domestic abuse. Uh, domestic abuse prevention orders. So DAPNs are police issued and DAPOs would be court issued. And um, that's an extremely powerful set of measures. The courts are, we didn't get the impression the courts were necessarily in a position at this point to utilize that kind of tool simply because um, there isn't really so much of a framework in Jersey of these pre-conviction orders and police notices. As an example, we don't have the fixed penalty structure. Mm. The UK does. We don't, I, don't think we, I don't think we operate the parking fine system quite the same way. We don't have things like criminal behaviour orders, the old ASBOs, um, public, I think public space orders, I think they're called in the UK, or other jurisdictions. There isn't that framework in Jersey um, of how we do things, and so there would be real novelty in bringing in things like the protection notices, which currently I think being trialled in the UK, and the orders, the pre-conviction orders for the court. Because it's difficult to ask a criminal court to say, well, we know in almost all cases you deal in uh, the questions of beyond reasonable doubt. Um, now, to depart from that and then start applying civil liberties restrictions that can last um, for a considerable time on the basis of probabilities isn't something that I don't think the criminal courts were quite prepared for. Mm. Now, with the trial of the matter currently ongoing in the UK, and I think it's, it's the protection notices they're, try, they're trialling 
issued by the police. It may well be as we get more information and there's more clarity on their use. It may well be that the matter is revisited by the next government. I was going to ask you, this law comes in, but there is the capacity to evolve for it to develop, for it to perhaps to, you know, to take on new facets. Always. I mean, legislation um, legislation is uh, movable, and much of the legislation that you'll see with dates from earlier in the century or even the 90s is a very different beast today to what it was when it was introduced. And I'm confident that work will go on to develop not only this but all the other associated legislation um, because that is simply uh, that is simply how these tools are used. They evolve uh, as understanding improves to, to try and provide the best outcomes. And just finally, Nathan, as the policymaker, um, how pleased are you to see this close to getting over the line? Well, you know, obviously, it's up to the, the behest of the Assembly, but uh, this is the culmination, presumably, for you of quite a number of years of work? It is years, and I am very glad to see it come to fruition. I think it's fair to say, though, that this has been developed. Well, firstly, this has been this has been led by by, by people working for me. I can't claim I can't claim individual responsibility. Um, uh, Sarah Garwood, ex police officer who now works for me, has been really um, the driving force on much of this. But this sort of thing, especially in a small jurisdiction, is always a team effort. Every every victim service the police and every party really associated with the issue of domestic abuse has had some degree of input in the legislation and of course it's been driven forward by the instructions of the minister that this is something that Jersey needs. So I am very glad to see it come to fruition but I can't claim to be, uh, you know, I can't claim that it's something that I've done, it's something that we have done. That was the senior government policy officer Nathan Fox talking to Julian Morrell. Stick with bailiwickexpress.com for updates on that crucial debate this week. And of course, everything else which happens during the last state's meeting of this political term. You'll also find links to this pod and our sister political pods and to Bailiwick's two DAB radio stations. They're all on the website. Please remember to like and share them where you can on social. It really does help. Meanwhile, thanks for listening to the pod this week. There'll be more later on in the week from both the news pod and the political pod. Thanks for listening. <laughs>